A radical Islamic terror attack hits churches on Easter in Sri Lanka, and the disdain for Christianity by the left grows brightly. I read the Mueller report, all 480 pages of it, sort of, and we'll talk about that, and I feel like talking about it. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. So, here we go. Um, I, you know, I skip a day, and suddenly we've got 12,000 things to talk about. It's just absolutely insane. On Thursday, I didn't record a podcast. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm recording it today because I was reading this Mueller report. I thought it was the big thing. And then suddenly we have a terror attack in Sri Lanka. Uh, close to 300 dead, almost 500 injured in seven suicide, with seven suicide bombers and one car bomb. The attacks occurred at three churches and four hotels in Sri Lanka. They were Christian churches. The car bomb went off out. The car bomb actually went off outside of another church, so it was going to be four churches and four hotels, but that bomb failed to actually do any damage. The bombings were well planned, and all of the bombs went off within two hours of each other. The Sri Lankan government were a little bit tight-lipped about what happened. Uh, there was definite suspicion that this was actually an Islamic terrorist attack, but uh, Sri Lanka decided not to confirm until they knew. Uh, the next day, uh, the government did confirm that a little-known radical Islamic terror group known as the National Thoheed Jamath actually committed the crimes. They must have known a little bit earlier than that because they actually arrested about two dozen people and they found far more detonators. The group does have ties to ISIS, though not directly. Uh, most of the people that were arrested, or theoretically some of the people that were arrested, were actually were uh, ISIS fighters who had returned home after ISIS was beaten down by the government, beaten down by uh, Donald Trump. The government said that it's received tips from the attack about 10 days ago, but the information was never communicated to the proper authorities, so no one really, no one of importance really knew what was going to happen. The media is on high alert, and the next couple of days could be really interesting as commentators try and spin this so that this does not end up being a Muslim attack. Uh, matter of fact, I watched a little CNN. They talked about it. They never really mentioned much about uh, Islamic terror. Or Muslim extremists. But that is not the big surprise of the day. Oh my God. So Barack Obama on Sunday decided he was going to tweet about this. And I, I'm not really... I, 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 well, here you go. Here it is. So uh, on April 21st, Barack Obama uh, tweeted, The attacks on tourists and Easter worshippers in Sri Lanka are an attack on humanity. On a day devoted to love, redemption, and renewal, we pray for the victims and stand for the people of Sri Lanka. Um, I'm not... I, uh, okay, first off, let me, let me say this. The attacks on tourists 
and Christians in Sri Lanka are an attack on humanity, on a day devoted to love, redemption, and renewal. Through the rising of Jesus Christ, we pray for the victims and stand with the people of Sri Lanka. Is that so hard? I mean, seriously. Easter is the day that our Lord, and this is the Christian Lord, rose from the dead. It's a very holy day. It is the most holy of days. No Christian, and I'm Catholic, so I am the as base a Christian as you can get. Literally, Jesus died 30 years later, there were Catholics. Okay? The... I don't know any Christian, any Christian, whether they're a Calvinist, a Lutheran, who worships Easter. Easter's just a name. And we don't worship, we don't even worship Christ. We give Christ thanks for dying for our sins. So I, I, I talk about minimizing a religion, but it gets better. It actually does get better. Hillary Clinton must have called Bill uh, must have called Barack right before she decided to tweet. Because oh my lord, I lost it. Hold on, let me get there. This is part of that thing where we're gonna make mistakes. Uh, Hillary Clinton, where is it? Of course, they've got all the Earth Day garbage. Oh, here we go. Here we go. So Hillary Clinton decided to, to say, on this holy week for many faiths, actually it's just Christianity and Judaism, because Judaism does celebrate Passover right now. And I don't recall Judaism being attacked this time. On this holy weekend for many faiths, we must stand united against hatred and violence. I'm praying for everyone affected by today's horrific attacks on Easter worshipers and travelers in Sri Lanka. I it, it, talk about dismissing a faith. I how how do these people dismiss faith? And notice in both tweets, and it was in the news media also. There was no talk about Muslim extremists. Now, I used to live with an Egyptian Muslim. I, she was, they were fantastic people. I'm not saying it's all Muslims. I, by any stretch of the imagination, these people I still communicate with, and I haven't lived with them for two years. Okay. But why does everyone want to minimize Christianity or ignore what actually happened? I just learned today that Christians are the most targeted religious faith. More Christians die from terrorist attacks or attacks on faith than any other religion. That's I learned this from Ben Shapiro, the Ben Shapiro Show and the Dan Bongino Show a podcast, which I really think you should listen to. But I also learned this, but they got that information from Pew Research. This is a company that, that's all they do is figure out statistics. The only reason, and Jews are attacked a lot, but Christianity is so big, there are so many people who are Christians, by numbers we get attacked more. 
So it's not like Jews don't get attacked. Yes, of course they do. They, I think Jews actually sell, actually suffer more abuse than Christians. But more Christians die because of religious uh, race, religious um, persecution. Now, let's not forget, this is something that I really don't understand about Christians. I, I don't understand about Catholics, why Catholics, Christians hate Jews. And there are. I know, I know a lot of Catholics. I know a lot of Christians that absolutely hate Jews. Catholicism, Christianity, is actually a sect of Judaism. A lot of Christians believe, well, the Jews think they are the chosen people. Um, yeah, and we are a sect of Judaism, which means we're the chosen people. So I'm not exactly sure why everyone's getting upset at Jews. So, and, and not to mention, the Judeo-Christian philosophy is what made us what we are today. I'm able to sit there and have a podcast with you today simply because of Judeo-Christian and, of course, Greek reason combined together. It's the technology. It's the combination of science and faith. Radical Muslims are responsible for the most terror, yet get protected by the media and the left. It, the question is, why? Well, I have a theory. The Judeo-Christian philosophy believes in individual freedom and a pull from a greater force. I have an individual freedom given to me by God in the form of free choice. But I also need to adhere to God's natural laws. Secular laws may or may, or may not be moral. That's the big question. Secular laws are not made to be moral. They're made to be legal. They're made to keep society in a uh, keep society in line with the rest of the society. So the individual here, yes, I had to follow that as a collective. But the reality is, I follow that as a member of the society I've decided to choose. God's laws are the moral foundations. And these laws have been around for probably thousands and thousands of years, maybe tens of thousands of years, depending on how long humanity has been around. Stealing, killing, cheating on a spouse are wrong. They're naturally wrong. We know they're wrong. The Ten Commandments are very simple, very direct. And everyone who looks at them, who's not a sociopath, not insane, has been, uh, has been in a culture, realizes that these are, yeah, I, no, I shouldn't be doing that anyway. So why are we fighting it? It's not, hey, and, and the difference between moral laws versus natural laws, a moral law, in moral laws, it's illegal to be an adulterer. But natural laws? No. You are not. You cannot be an adulterer. That's the difference between morality and secular laws. The left dismisses all of this. That's because the left only believes in the collective. Individual freedom is not an option. Marx said religion is the opioid of the masses. 
That's because religion would reject pure collectivism because it does believe in individualism. Judaism, Catholicism do believe in the individual. Other religions, such as Buddhism, also believe in the individual. Socialism, Marxism, Communism, they cannot have, they cannot have individual freedom and individual choice. Because then people will sit back, they can't have moral freedom, moral choice. And the reason they can't do that is because the laws that are actually implemented within communism, socialism, and Marxism can be ignored for the individual has the freedom. And you cannot have any individualism when it comes to totalitarian philosophies such as Marxism, communism, and socialism. So here's the big question. Why is Islam put Islam put on a pedestal? Why is it the left will protect Islam like it will protect no other religion? Well, that's because Islam also embraces the collective. Sharia law is totalitarianism. The individual isn't important. Going out as a woman in Saudi Arabia or Iran, or wherever, without a burqa, is not embraced. You are not an individual here. You need to fall into the collective. The left is using Islam to normalize collectivism. They're sitting back and saying, well, it's a religion of peace. It's a religion of this and that and whatever. I I have read the Torah, or sorry, not the Torah, the Quran. I've read a lot of the Quran. And I've even read all of the areas where Christians or fundamentalists will actually sit there and say, ah, this is the proof that the Quran is, that Muslim is a religion of war. Um, I've also read the text in its totality. It's not necessarily true. The Quran is not necessarily a violent religion. They'll ignore people. They don't want to deal with um, the, uh, whatever they call them, the infidels. They don't necessarily need to kill them. And every time I've read in the Quran, it basically says the same thing. It says, "Okay, do not deal with the the do not deal with the infidel, kill the infidel, enslave the infidel, or convert the infidel." But a lot of the time, there's actually more text there that is actually left out. And that's something we need to really come to grips with. Islam is the second largest religion outside of Christianity. Yet it's also a very small group of people that do these things. Islam is not necessarily, not necessarily, I haven't read the Quran to the point where I've studied it, but 
Islam is not necessarily a religion of violence or a religion of um, totalitarianism. Okay. They treat their people bad. Let's get that straight. Women do not get treated well. But that's those are fundamentalist countries. Iran is a theocracy. It is a fundamentalist Islamic country. Saudi Arabia is trying to pull away from that. But a lot of countries are fundamentalist, and that's a big problem. So I may not know enough, and I, I probably don't, but I do know with people I live. For example, here's the thing. A lot of people complain, but a woman does not actually have any rights. And for the most part, that's true. But a woman doesn't need to take the husband's name. There is divorce in Islam. It's just if you're in a fundamentalist, you don't. the woman doesn't have the option. But hey, here's the one thing that Islamists should worry about. Even in this country, it is still considered a religion. And, a relig and religion is the opioid of the masses. Something that they might want to remember, especially Ilhan Omar and that Rashida Tlaib or whatever her name is, is that once the left takes the country, once the country goes socialist and starts inching towards totalitarianism, Islam will be snuffed out in this country also. So I do not think that it's in Islam's best interest to sit back and start screaming about how um, it works and that's the religion and blah, 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 blah. It will be snuffed out too. So I finally got the, through the Mueller report. It was released on Thursday and I've been struggling to figure out how to present this. I didn't finish it until about Saturday night. Um, believe it or not, I it, the Mueller report is actually quite easy to read. So if you're worried about getting through 480 pages of it, uh, don't be too worried. You can get through with it. Um, it's a big nothing burger. It's garbage. I, I read the thing. I, guess what? I, well, I, so let me back up here. I've been trying to figure out how to present this whole thing. And it's been done already by everyone who is far better than I am when it comes to this. Uh, ben, Shapiro, ben Shapiro looks through this through the legal perspective. And it makes a lot of sense. He makes a lot of sense why things are good, why things are bad, what could go wrong for Trump, what could be good. Um... Dan Bogino, who you also should listen to, uh, looks at it from the deep state perspective, the conspiracy theorist perspective. Uh, that may, it, I, I have read his book, his book, um, what was that book called? I, Spygate. I've read that book. I've listened to his podcast. And the reason I give him a little bit more credence, even though I think he's a conspiracy theorist, is he's been right so far. His book, Everything Has Turned Out. Everything Has Come Up. Uh, I, suspect, I suspect he's 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 actually writing his second book called Exonerated. 
But looking at what's going on right now, I wouldn't be too shocked if he was actually going to start working on a third book soon. Uh, finally, the news media, depending on the channel, gives the listener whatever they want to hear. Uh, I just can't live up to... I just can't live up to that because I have my own opinions. I can't sit back and worry about the conspiracy theory. I can't sit back and worry about Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro, uh, about the legal. Ben Shapiro is a law, has a law degree from Harvard. Dan Bon, so he understands the law better than I could ever understand. Dan Bongino was a Secret Service agent for 20 years. So he's going to know a lot more about the conspiracy theory. So I decided I'm just going to sit there and tell you what I'm interested in and talk about what I'm interested in. And I'm going to give the basics of the report, the arguments, the media reaction. And I'm going to have my opinions at the end. The report. Like I said, I've read all 480 pages of the report. I did not read the footnotes and that was probably a mistake, especially after listening to ben, Dan Bongino, but I did read it. The report is broken up into two volumes. The first addresses collusion or conspiracy. Again, collusion is not a is not illegal. Conspiracy is. So it addresses the Russians' attempts at influencing the elections through social media and hacking their work with WikiLeaks and Julian Assange. It also addresses crimes of Paul Manafort, George Papadopoulos, and Michael Flynn. Uh, I don't really talk too much about those guys, and I'll tell you why. Because everything they did had nothing to do with collusion. It had to do... Uh, Papadopoulos was basically a... Uh, Flynn and Papadopoulos were process crimes... They lied to the FBI, theoretically. There's going to be more coming out on Flynn later because Flynn probably didn't lie to the FBI. And Papadopoulos probably didn't either. Uh, Papadopoulos' crimes were so bad, he got 14 days in jail, so it wasn't that bad. And Manafort was just a piece of garbage. Let's call it what it is. He was corrupt, and all his... He's going to be spending 30 years in prison, and he should spend 30 years in prison, but it had absolutely nothing to do with collusion. This is not the most exciting part of the report. It was interesting. It showed uh, that Robert Mueller must have really investigated this. Uh, one learned how ru the Russians hacked the DNC computers and how they propagated the information. But that's about it. The social media infiltration seemed very flimsy. It looked like it was barely tried. They spent $100,000 on advertisements and posted about 86,000 memes. Um, doesn't it, So it doesn't seem like they really made a lot of effort. It just wasn't that interesting. But there was one thing in that 194 pages that made very clear. There was no collusion or conspiracy. Trump had nothing to do with it. And I'll even go a step further. Uh, Julian Assange had nothing to do with it. Yes, he was working with these people. He was sending out classified information on his website, but the reality is he had no idea he was working with the Russians. And by the way, Mueller actually says that. 
With that, I want you to remember something. If there was no collusion, it was proven there was no collusion, why was that portion of the report 194 pages? Couldn't that report have been 10 pages? Hey, we looked it up. Uh, we saw we saw Julian Assange collusing. Uh, we saw the Russians hacking. We saw the Russians doing a social media blitz, trying to create uh, demonstrations and things like that, but nothing more. Why didn't they just drop it? Why was that 194 pages? Garbage. So you'd think everyone would be happy uh, that our president isn't a Russian spy or a Russian agent. I don't know. I would have thought everyone would be thrilled. Well, no, they weren't. But then that's where things get really interesting. It's the second volume that matters. And by the way, the second volume should have never been written. The second volume goes into the obstruction by Donald Trump. The second volume was not part of the initial scope. The scope was to find collusion and conspiracy. Robert Mueller went to Rod Rosenstein and said, I want to expand it into obstruction. Well, I understand why he wanted to expand it into obstruction, because there was no collusion, and it would, if he spent two years on a report and had a good 10 pages of garbage, this was going to be an ultimate fail. Well, it still was an ultimate fail. This part of the report where Donald Trump may face some issues. Apparently, there were several instances where Trump, several instances when Trump told advisors to do things that would really change the direction of the investigation. It was mentioned in the report that a lot of demands were ignored by his advisors to, uh, to not interfere with the investigation and were done because Trump was, and they were done because Trump was angry. He, he just said, you know, kill this Mueller investigation. It was even pointed out that Trump said, F, this is going to end my presidency. This is going to be important later. Why did Trump say that? Trump said that not because he was guilty, which is what the news media was really pushing the day of. He said this because he was ticked off that he wasn't going to get anything accomplished. And a couple a couple people said, well, that was the reason he said it. You could tell it by the context, but no one brought it. I have to admit, I, I didn't think anything of the obstruction either, especially since there wasn't a crime. I really have a hard time believing that this guy is going to be obstructing um, when there's no crime to instruct. But it does look like he was trying to make things difficult for, for the Mueller, pro Mueller probe. For me, this looks like he was trying to interfere with the probe. Even if there was no crime, could Trump legally be obstructing an investigation. This was something that I really had a problem with. Uh, I'm not a lawyer. Mueller did reach his conclusion, did not, uh, did not reach a conclusion. He said that he did not find any evidence of obstruction, but he could not exonerate the president of obstruction. <sighs> Why would he do that?
The report, again, very easy to read. The redactions were minimal. I don't think I lost a lot because of the redactions, so I'm not sure what Congress is complaining about. The one thing I need to do is actually read the footnotes next time, and so if you decide to read it, read the footnotes, because apparently there's some nuggets of gold in those footnotes. Mueller probably assumed no one was going to read them. Mueller really showed his bias in the footnotes. I think that's what's really important. Because it wasn't what he said, it was what he didn't say that was really important. But right now, let's go into legal portion. And this is, if you want to really get heavy into it, listen to Ben Shapiro's podcast on, on Friday. That's when he actually, that you can tell Harvard Law student the guy or a lawyer with a harvard degree he read all 480 pages in less than 24 hours as far as trump being a russian agent is something that the media has been living on for the last two years that's done uh he didn't collude he didn't conspire it's over no reason to talk about it anymore trump has been exonerated period end of story there's no confusion in that whole part. Obstruction may be a different story. I always thought there needed to be a crime for someone to obstruct. It didn't make sense that he was guilty of obstructing a crime that didn't happen. But the law doesn't always make that much sense. Now, I'm going to quote laws or something. I'm not a lawyer. I listened to Ben Shapiro's podcast on April 19th, and he'll give you the laws, listen to it, and he'll explain the scope of the laws in the ways I cannot, or I won't. What I mean by that is there are several definitions of obstruction. Apparently, Bob Mueller used the most liberal definition of obstruction. Of, of obstruction. Here it is. This is from 18 U.S.C. Code 1503. Obstruction is an act that corruptly or by threats of force or by threatening letter or communication influences, obstructs, or impedes or endeavors to influence, obstruct, or impede the due administration of justice. Here's the trick. Here's the part. The big word here is corruptly. That word means that Trump had to have intent to obstruct the investigation because he was guilty. He was protecting his corruption. In this case, it would have been uh, conspiracy. It would have been conspiracy. I'm not even going to say collusion anymore. It doesn't work. That's what it means. Let me say that again. Trump obstructed because and only because he was guilty of conspiracy with Russia. That's what it means. This is where stuff gets really muddy. Trump was pissed off. His presidency was in peril over a long uh, peril at the thought of having a long investigation. He did not feel it was fair because he was innocent. He told people to do things that would have stalled or halted the investigation. None of the orders were followed for fear that there might be another Saturday night massacre. That was the term used when Nixon was cornered and he decided to fire everyone who was investigating him. Though nothing happened and Bob Mueller was unable to continue his investigation, were Trump's ignored orders still evidence of obstruction? I think you know where I'm going with that.
Mueller concluded in a second volume by saying that there wasn't enough evidence to conclude that Trump obstructed justice, but there was enough evidence that Mueller could not exonerate Trump. This leaves the big question, did Trump obstruct or not? We have no answers. Here's the question, why don't we know? After two years and $30 million, Mueller's best answer is, I don't know, you figure it out. What the, what the F? So let's get to the conspiracy portion. Now a little bit about me, I'm not a tinfoil hat guy. I don't believe in conspiracies. I think that uh, the United States did not know that the Japanese were going to bomb Pearl Harbor. I do not think that Kennedy was shot by 15 other guys. I do not think that uh, a plane, I think the planes that crashed into the World Trade Centers were flown by radical Muslims. I believe that Barack Obama was probably born in the United States. And I do not believe that um, I, I just don't believe in anything that has to do with conspiracy. I think conspiracy is stupid. I think conspiracy is a reason to um, feel the way you feel. The report had a lot in it that it really didn't need to be in it. I think the report could have actually been probably 70 pages. It was just a lot of garbage. And here, I think there may have been some sort of conspiracy. And we'll talk about that a little later. Here's some, here's some examples. Uh, I'll get, they're going to be a little bit longer, but Trump was not happy with Jeff Sessions when Jeff Seth, ah, Trump was not happy when Jeff Sessions recused himself. He told Jeff Sessions not to recuse himself. He had several advisors talk to Sessions about not recusing himself. When Sessions did recuse himself, Trump tried to get him to unrecuse himself. He did this directly. He did this through social media, and he did this through his staff. Sessions never re reversed his recusal until he resigned. There are several paragraphs about this. Yes, Sessions recusing himself hurt Trump, but it is not illegal and not obstruction for Trump to want him to not recuse or to stop his recusal. It does not make, look, it does not make Trump look unethical. It makes Trump look kind of unethical and weak, but that's about it. So because this is not illegal, why is this in the report? The other thing that was in the report was actually in volume one. Mueller went into a lot of detail on how the Russians tried to affect our, how the Russians tried to affect our elections. He went into the modes of their social media contacts. He went into how they actually hacked. And by the way, as a computer guy, that's really interesting to me. And he went into how they disseminated the actual information. That was literally 70 pages. Trump had nothing to do with it. None of it involved Trump. Why are you wasting 70 pages talking about this? Another example is when Trump told Dan McGahn to tell the Justice Department to file Mueller. 
McGann did not want another Saturday night massacre, so he decided to ignore the order and basically he told Mueller, you know, sometimes Trump thinks out loud. He doesn't want you to actually follow it, but hey, sometimes he thinks out loud. At the time, Trump was angry. At the time, Trump was really angry about what was happening to his presidency. He was under siege over this investigation that was just garbage. When he asked if McCann actually relayed the information, McCann said, no, he'll get to it eventually. And finally, I, I guess he told him, you know, I'll resign before I do this. It's not in your best interest. Again, no obstruction here. The message never got relayed to the Justice Department. Mueller never got fired. There's no obstruction. And there's no intent. Intent means Trump knows he's guilty and he needs to stop the investigation. He didn't know it was guilty. He was mad. He wanted the investigation stopped so he could be president. And then at the very end, in one of the footnotes, he said, well, there's no evidence that Trump, that Trump actually did anything there. So why is it in the report? But not only do I question what was in the report, the biggest questions I have is what was left out of the report? There is no mention of Christopher Steele. There's no mention of the FISA warrants. There's no mention of Fusion GPS. The Steele dossier was only mentioned twice. And it was the Steele dossier that started this whole investigation. Could it be Russian collusion, which was soundly disproved, was not what Mueller was there for? He wasn't looking for collusion? Or that he knew collusion was already garbage right off the bat? When did Trump, and this, this is the question, when did Mueller actually indict, I think it was like 24, 25 Russians for social media and hacking? That was a year ago. What took him so long to actually get to this point? Why another year? Another question, is it possible Mueller was hired to protect the FBI and Hillary Clinton's bad behavior? The dossier is a killer for Clinton and the FBI. It's not a killer for Trump. It's not even embarrassing. None of it was true. None of it was, was uh, confirmed. Clinton paid for the dossier, which is assembled by Christopher Steele. Christopher Steele, uh, well, the question is, where did Christopher Steele get the information? mostly from Russian spies. You see the problem for Clinton? It was actually Clinton and the DNC that were colluding with the Russians. And the dossier is physical proof of that. We should look... The FBI, I think, has bigger problems. Um, certain, what ended up happening with the dossier? They wanted a FISA warrant on Carter Page. Carter Page ain't the brightest bulb in the in the uh, in the room. There's no question. He's not very bright, but he did serve his country. He did have a lot of connections with Russians. He used to do uh, speeches in Russia. Okay, so he did have a lot of connections. But the question is, okay, we've got this dossier. We need to be able to 
study, uh, we need to be able to surveil Carter Page. Carter Page, at the time, they wanted to get a FISA warrant so they could surveil Carter Page, which, by the way, is a real tricky thing because you're not supposed to surveil the uh, citizens of the United States. So what did Steele do? Steele's dossier was bunk. It was crap. No one was listening to it. It wasn't going to work. So Carter Page decided, okay, what he's going to do is he's going to leak parts of the FISA, uh, I'm sorry, not the FISA, he's going to leak parts of the dossier to Yahoo News. Yahoo News bit. Yahoo News published it. Carter Page, or um, Steele, Christopher Steele, gave the dossier to the Justice Department, to the FBI, and the FBI, in getting their FISA warrants, and this is this is all but confirmed. Everyone knows this is true. The FBI gave the dossier to the FISA court, saying that it was a legitimate document based off of the Yahoo article. The judge didn't know the Yahoo article was based off the actual steel, doc, steel dossier. It, no idea. But that little circular thing actually proved to the FISA court that this was a legitimate document. It looks like the FBI was trying to pull a fast one to get a warrant to spy on an American citizen. This is ugly stuff. And who's going to get killed on this? Comey? McCabe, Strzok, these people all validated that the dossier was legitimate. It's never been legitimate. Everyone knows it's not wasn't legitimate to this day. If this dossier was that big of news, why was the dossier never mentioned? It was mentioned twice in the 480 pages of the Mueller report. Why wasn't McCabe and Strzok mentioned in the 480 pages of the uh, report? Why wasn't Clinton mentioned in the 480 pages? So, let's, let's get to the point here. What do I think? I think this is just a load of crap. There's nothing here. Something most people thought, something most people thought for a long time that there was nothing there, and it only took twenty-five million dollars in two years to have everything confirmed. As far as collusion or conspiracy, that was a big zero. Not only did Trump not collude with the Russian Russians or WikiLeaks, WikiLeaks did not even know they were they were working with the Russians. Julian Assange said he had nothing to do with Trump. And the Russians, and he meant it. The Russians were so good at hiding their identities. This is the GRU, the Guccifer, the IRA. Those are things you can listen to on other podcasts. That tricked everybody into believing that, oh, wow, there was a lot of collusion here. Oh, my God. Uh, the Russians sent this to WikiLeaks, and then WikiLeaks contacted WikiLeaks contacted uh, Trump, the Trump, admini Trump uh, uh, administration, and oh, yeah, it, it all connects. Something I didn't mention was the 
uh, Trump Tower meeting with Donald Trump Jr., this gal who actually went there, and by the way, for those who don't know, that was a meeting that was set up. Donald Trump Jr., not a politician, didn't do have much to do with anything when it came to that, decided to have a meeting to get some oppo research that this this lawyer, uh, Skyiva, I can't pronounce her name, that's why I didn't even write it down, I didn't bother, um, basically said she had. The Trump meeting, the Trump Tower meeting, according to a report, lasted 20 minutes. In the footnotes of the report, it had mentioned that all her qualifications, she was a lawyer, she had connections to the Russian military, she had, um, she had worked on Russian contracts with the United States. The one thing it did not mention that was absolutely true is she also had a she also worked for Fusion GPS if you don't know who what Fusion GPS is that's the company that contracted Christopher Steele to make the actual report this goes into that whole conspiracy thing because it sure sounds like they were trying to set up Donald Trump Jr that they could sit there and say, well, Donald Trump Jr. had a meeting with Russians. Even though the meeting lasted 20 minutes and turned up nothing. They didn't even go to lunch. They were supposed to go to lunch and never happened. Obstruction seems to be a different story. Though there was no crime, Trump could still obstruct the investigation and be prosecuted. But it's very hard to prove obstruction. Remember, intent matters here. And intent matters because he's got to be guilty. He intends to obstruct the investigation to stop the truth of his guilt coming out. Trump had to wanted the investigation to end because of his guilt. His intent needed to be proven. Mueller knew he couldn't prove the intent. So he said that. But he also said he couldn't prove Trump didn't try to obstruct. He couldn't exonerate Trump. First off, I, I hate this because it's very difficult to prove a negative. It's hard to prove that you didn't do something. And that's where the media freaking jumped. That's where the Democrats and the left really jumped. They still want to impeach. Listen, Trump is not the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree. He's brash, self-centered, clumsy, and clumsy with his language. Just looking at Twitter, looking at his Twitter feed will tell one that he doesn't know when to keep his mouth shut. He's always extremely emotional. He's always been controlling, and he wants to. He basically wants to control everything. But is he the modern-day Nixon? No. No, 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 no. Not at all. Volume 2 of Mueller's report was absolute bullshit. He accused Trump of attempting to end an investigation, but the investigation never ended. Trump could have fired Mueller at any time. For any reason. He didn't need a reason. He wanted others... He, he can do that. He did want others to do it. They didn't. Why? 
because he was a he has a good cabinet and they know that it is not good for Trump. He was get, never guilty. He was pissed. Being pissed does not mean that you had intent to investigation intent to end an investigation because you're guilty of a crime. He wanted to end the investigation because he was effing up his because it was effing up his presidency. Let's call it what it is. Period. That's not corruption. It's stupid. It's unethical. But it's not corrupt. The intent is not corrupt. The news media, the left, are going absolutely batshit crazy right now. They are. They do not know what to do. They have no idea what to do. CNN on the day the Mueller on the day the Mueller report was released the hour the Mueller report was released they had 10 12 different commentators talking about it they all said the same thing well there's still there's still obstruction uh, they're not going to prove obstruction it's a waste and now you have the democrats today as of today they're saying let's call for uh, let's call for an impeachment hearing to investigate. I say go for it. It's been 110 days now that the new Congress has been in the House and they've done absolutely nothing but worry about investigations, uh, say stupid things. We'll get into stupid things and and anti-Semitic things tomorrow because I'm, I've got more to talk about. And they've done nothing. They're not popular. AOC and Ilhan Omar are about to get uh, primaried out of their positions after two years. People hate them. Things are not going well for the Democrats. And it's going to get a lot worse. Because if they keep going down this road and they waste another three months on uh, impeachment terms... Hey, President Clinton was impeached. He was impeached because he actually did commit a crime. He committed perjury in front of Congress. His approval rating shot up to 74%. You know something? Trumps are going to go higher. And the reason they're going to go higher is he's actually trying to do things, but he's not getting any cooperation from the courts, from the Congress, from the Senate. He's not getting cooperation from anyone. But he keeps trying. So, this whole thing, it ain't over yet. And the next few weeks are going to be really interesting. So I hope you enjoyed tonight's podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at RunninFool. R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. One of these days I'm going to have to have a podcast about running because that's my sport. I love it. Uh, you can also visit the website and read some of this stuff at uh, dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. Hope you folks have a nice night, and thanks for listening.